In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Death, any death of anyone, as in the death of Lazarus or anyone who has departed, offers an evangelical opportunity, offers an opportunity to speak about the good news of Christ, offers an opportunity to speak the gospel. The good news of Christ is always good news anywhere, anytime, any place, in any situation. If it cannot be the good news, if it cannot be good news in the sense, uh, in the midst of suffering and tribulation, then it's powerless. It's not good news. It's not the gospel, and we have to look for something else. We have to look for someone else who is to come. But we know history has taught us, and we have seen the power of the gospel of the good news. And all the readings today center on the Word of God. The Word of God. Uh, you had in um, Ephesians, sorry, in Philippians, uh, this, this uh, image of Christ, the Word, and His humility coming down. And He said, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. And spoke about His humility. This is the Word of God. And He says, Let us, let only let our conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Only let our gospel be worth, our conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that means our conduct has to follow the word of God, this good news. St. Peter said, But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. In the book of Acts, chapter 19, we see the miracles that were done by Paul and the handkerchief and the spirits that were driven out. But we also see the abuse of the Word of God, where seven sons tried to call and use the name of God, and it did not work. But afterwards, afterwards it said those who were magicians brought their books and they burned it, and it said the words that we always conclude that the proxies, and it says in the, in the book of Acts, and the Word of the Lord grew, mightily and prevailed. The word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. And here we see the power of Jesus Christ who is the word of God even in his words when he says, Lazarus come forth and Lazarus comes from the grave. <clears throat> Last year um, I spoke about the word of God but this year I wanted to focus more on some very deep theological statements that are being said here in this gospel that we can understand about death and about burial and about sickness from this short gospel. The first words I want to focus on are Jesus wept. Jesus wept. This wasn't a period or a moment where Jesus was just emotional. He got a little emotional. He got a little, and a couple of tears came down his head. But what I imagine, and this is from the writings of the Old Testament, I imagine that he wept uncontrollably. He wept uncontrollably in a way that only someone who is truly overwhelmed. And why do I say this? Because Jesus is coming to the tomb of Lazarus and his weeping 
has everything to do with Lazarus and has nothing to do with Lazarus. Has both everything to do with him and nothing to do with him at the same time. He wept because we were his creation. Christ created us. He is the Word of God who created us. He is the one of the Trinity that did the work, you could say, of creation. We were His creation, and He created us from the beginning to be with Him. He created us to live with Him. He created us to converse with Him. He created us to glorify Him. He created us as the crown of all creation. We were the final creation, the pinnacle of creation. He created us to have His life in us. He created us to be like Him. He created us in His image, according to His likeness. He created us to be in communion and in union with Him. He loved us. He loved us for no other reason other than we were a reflection of Him. But we chose death instead of life. We chose not to be in union with Him. We chose not to be in a relationship with Him. We chose to be gods without God. We chose to go on our own path. We turned from Him, and because of that, we weren't punished with death. God didn't give us this as a punishment. But this was just the natural progression. It's like when you unplug a, a, a lamp from the outlet, the light goes out. It's natural. It's normal. We were connected with the one who is life. And when we cut our ties, death was in, inevitable. Jesus wept at the grave of Lazarus over the outcome and the end results of humanity's choice. Like, like a parent, a parent who would mourn a child's choice to use drugs. And even if that child were to end up overdosing, the parent weeps for the child, weeps for that poor choice and that loss of life. In a word, it didn't have to be this way. Jesus is at the grave of his creation, weeping because he's saying, it didn't have to be this way. And he's slow to get to the grave of Lazarus. Maybe in a way, the same way that he did not come immediately down after Adam fell, took flesh and was incarnate and died. But he took his time in the same way he takes time. But it's important so that the end results will be that those will believe in, not only in Jesus, but in the Father who sent him. And why do I say this? Because I'm reminded of the story of, of, uh, of David and Absalom. Do you remember that story in 2 Samuel around chapter 18? It's a very heart-wrenching story. De Absalom was the son of David, but over time, Absalom tried to usurp the throne of his father David tried to kill his father. 
And this was apparent. And then there was a, a, a reconciliation, a forgiving, a receiving back. But the people around David uh, did not uh, necessarily accept Absalom. And they were trying to protect Absalom. But David, when they would go out to war and to fight, he would say, please. He would say, don't touch Absalom. Let Absalom live. And it was said that when he did die, and he didn't have to die, but his soldiers, David's men, killed him. But when he did die, it said that the king was deeply moved, went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And he said, oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom. Would I had died instead of you, O Absalom, my son, my son. And we see this in Christ now as he's at the tomb of Lazarus weeping. The same interaction. We are the ones that wronged him. And yet he chooses to die instead of us. This is why Jesus wept. It was a history of weeping. It was a history within him of this suffering and of this wrong and poor choice. And this is why Jesus wept. It's different. It's different from us when we weep at the, at the tombs or at the graves of those who have departed. We are weeping because of our loss. But Christ is weeping because of the loss of all of humanity. But also, Christ knows that after a few moments, He will raise Him from the tomb. And that sign of the resurrection which is given to us is a sign to all of us that death no longer has power over those who have decided and have united themselves again with Christ. Death no longer has the ability to overcome those who are in, in, in communion and union with Christ. Those who choose again to be the creation that Christ created them to be. Those who choose to live with Him, those who choose to converse with Him, those who choose to glorify Him, those who work hard to be the crown of His creation. As St. Peter said to us in the epistle today, that we are a chosen generation, and He created us for this, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that we may proclaim the praises of Him who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light, who, we, who were once not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. Jesus also said another word to us when He said, This illness is not unto death, it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified, even though sickness and death still come into this world. It is not the intent, nor the desire, nor the purpose of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sickness is a result of sin. Death is a result of sickness. Death is not a punishment that God created, but is the effect of our separating ourselves from God. There was only one person from the time of Adam until the end of time, there is only one person 
who was born to die. That was Jesus Christ. He was the only one who it was his purpose, his goal, his intent to die on behalf of all of us. This is the one person. Everyone else was created for life. But now we know that Christ has conquered death by death. And all that is that we, that we deal with in this life is not the end. And he says he conquers death by death. He doesn't do it in a way that's magical or in a way that's quick. But he goes straight for the final enemy, which is death. There's a couple of other points I want to point out here. When the, when the sisters called on Christ to come, they said, the one whom you love is sick. The one whom you love is sick. we have to take caring for the sick very seriously. We have to take caring for the sick more seriously than we've been doing in our society, in our generation. Doctors care for the physical bodies. Maybe some good doctors move forward to give spiritual comfort and care. And not just doctors, but medical professionals from, from the top to the bottom, everyone that's involved in in hospitals and caring for the sick. But we have to do a better job of caring for the souls and caring for the spirits of those who are sick. We have to understand that this is a ministry that is given to us and is also a command that's given to us by God. He said in Matthew 25, He says, When I was sick, you visited me. Christ identifies Himself with those who are sick. And when we visit those who are sick, we are, are um, doing a ministry which is called just the ministry of presence. Ministry of presence, just to be with someone in their, in their trial, in their tribulation, in their difficulty. Mary and Martha were with the sister were with their brother. They took care of their brother. They buried their brother. But before that, you can rest assured that they were taking care of him. We've created in our society, we've created nursing homes, we've created rehab centers. We have these places for things that are beyond our ability, beyond our, um, our expertise. But even in those places, we have to make sure that those who are there constantly have somebody with them to care for them. It's, it's a burden. It's not easy. It's not something that's simple. But it's our responsibility. I was sick and you visited me. And what can we do when someone is sick? What can we do? Uh, by the way, the Gospel of Vespers was the centurion servant who was sick, also called for Jesus. The first thing is in our prayers to say about this person, the one whom you love is sick, visit them. And sickness was always looked at as a visitation from God in and of itself. But we ask God to visit and to comfort and to give peace and to help and to help the person carry their cross and to help their person struggle. 
If we had a ministry, a service, a group, a group of people who could visit the sick, it would make it easier so that if one person is caring for a, um, a parent or a child, other people can help them as well. We can cook for them, we can clean for them, we can buy groceries, we can do errands, pay bills, read our Bibles with them, pray with them, and help them through this difficult time. And not only is it important that when we uh, have those who are sick in our communities, we are with them. We also have to be able to take care of them after they depart. This is something where we have mortuaries and we have funeral directors and we have other people that we give this responsibility to. But we're missing the point when it comes to caring for the, the bodies of those who have departed. Here we see him wrapped in grave clothes and put in a grave. And this, is, this was a responsibility that God had placed on the people of Israel always to bury those who, who have departed. In the wisdom of Sirach, there is a verse that says, lay down those who have departed, lay their bodies down in honor and do not neglect their burial. What am I really getting at when I'm talking about this? It's a difficult concept and I'm just going to say it. You can understand it, you can accept it, you can move with it, do it, do what you want with it. But the concept is this. For those who have departed this life, it would be best if we as a church took care of their bodies. What do I mean by that? The body is an icon of Christ. We spoke about it being His image, His likeness. If I take any icon, right? Any of these icons. If I just put it in the trash, wouldn't any of you say, uh, that's not where this should go. We shouldn't, we shouldn't do this to, to an icon, piece of paper with some, some drawing on it. What if I say, okay, we have to destroy it. I'm just going to give it to the garbage man. The garbage man's responsibility. Whatever he does, that's how he does it. No, we would say, I'll do it. I'll destroy it in my home. I'll burn it if we don't need it. I'll take care of it. The same is true with the body. The body is what the soul used to become a saint, and the, or the, the person together becomes a saint in this way. The body is just as holy as the soul. And when we respect the body, we take care of the body, we honor the body, we make sure nobody is just disrespecting the body in any way, shape, or form. We don't know what's going on once the body leaves our presence. We need to take this responsibility on ourselves. And it's, it's not only us as a church, but the diocese and the priests, we have to look into this idea of having our own system of burying. The Jewish people do it, and the, uh, the Muslims do it. Why can't we as Orthodox do it as well? And in honoring the body, and in caring for the sick, we honor Christ. We honor the purpose that Christ created us for. We know death and we know sickness is difficult. And those are some of the darkest hours, not only of those who are dying, but of those around them who are dying. But if the gospel can be preached in those areas, if we can see the light of Christ in the life of those who are, in the life of those who are suffering, in the life of those who are serving, you will see that 
even the hospital staff and those around will say, something special is going on here. This isn't just somebody who's dying. This isn't just part of uh, the day-to-day -day that we go through. Something special is here. And when they can witness the faith of true Christians caring for the sick, and the faith of true Christians honoring those who have departed, this is a way, this is a way that we can preach the gospel to those around us. And we can be confident in the gospel as well. When somebody dies, we greet them by saying, we, not the person who died, but we greet the family by saying, Christ is risen. Christ is risen. And we remind one another all the time that our life is not here, it's in heaven. And those who pass on ahead of us are preparing the way for us in two ways. They're preparing the way for us through their prayers, but they're also, we are getting ourselves more ready when our friends and our family become less and less here on earth and more and more in paradise, we get the point. We start to say it's time to start getting my life in order, to start asking forgiveness of those who are uh, uh, around that I haven't asked for forgiveness, to make sure that I haven't left anything undone, to take the burden of whatever is to follow off of my children or off of the people around us that will care for, for the family or care for my body afterwards, all of this has to be in our minds. We have to think about this. And I know as Middle Eastern people, most of us, we, we don't like to talk about death. We don't like to talk about our own death. We don't like to talk about other people's death. And we kick it down the road until, okay, now we've got to talk about it. Now we have to deal with it. But it's important that death is not something to be feared, not something to be scared of, not something to be hush-hush about. We should always remember our death. And remembering the death does not mean that we want to die or that we, we uh, hate those who are around us or want to be done with our, our, our responsibilities here, but understanding that we all will die. And the second we can understand that, the second we can understand death in our own life, we will be more open to the idea of serving those who are dying, serving those who are in need, serving those around us. I hate to say it, sometimes we don't want to help those who are sick. We don't want to be reminded. We don't want to be reminded of our own mortality. And we don't want to be burdened with those who are on, uh, in the last legs. We, we get caretakers and caregivers and we, we, we get other people to do what we ought to be doing. These are crowns for us in heaven. This is our service that we're offering to God. Every one of us is going to be faced with this in our lives. And it's important that during this, we ask strength from God, we ask strength from those around us, and we complete our task, the task that is before us. I know this gospel today, the message, is mainly about the power of the Word of God in raising the dead. But I wanted to touch on these few points. Jesus weeping over us because this was not our intent. There was not the intent of society, of, of His creation that we should die. And that the illness that comes to us is not unto death, but it's that God may be glorified in us. And that we can glorify God in all of our illnesses, all of our sicknesses. We can glorify God. And we can glorify God by serving those who are sick, serving those who are dying. We must remember always to pray for the sick, always to ask God to have mercy on them and use these words that Mary and Martha said, the one whom you love is sick. 
And finally, finally, let us, you know, as a group, as a, as a church, work towards being able to honor those who have departed in their burial, in the preparation for their burial. Let us look to see how we can do this as a community and not just be forced to submit the bodies of our loved ones to strangers, to people that we don't know well, to people that might not even be Christian, to people that don't understand that who they are touching and what they are doing is that they are touching an icon of Christ, someone who has lived on this earth, who has partaken of the body and blood of Christ, someone whose body is to be saved and prepared for the day of resurrection. May our, our, our good Savior, who is the life of us all, who is the resurrection and the life, guide us to do what is right and proper. Guide us in our service towards those who are sick and those who are departing. And may He be glorified in those who are sick and in those who have departed. And may He be also glorified in our lives. To Him be the glory, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever in the age of all ages. Amen. One, one quick... Um,